Patas. 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 Welcome to Fart House, where we watch the artsiest, fartsiest films so that you can pretend that you did. I am one of your hosts, Casey O'Brien, and I am joined by um, my fellow former intelligentsia dishwasher and co-host of this program, Patrick Mallon. Patrick, how are you? I'm doing okay, Case. How are you? Um, I am doing good. I, I'm doing very good because we have a wonderful guest today, which uh, I will bring her in in just one moment, unless she wants to jump in on this because I don't know if she'll care about what I'm about to say. Um, but, uh, well, actually, let's bring her in. Uh, our, our guest today, she is Brat Pitt on Letterboxd. Uh, she's a film columnist at Williamette Week. Is that correct? Willamette. Willamette, excuse me. Uh, she's a script reader at Stage 32. She's a screenwriter. Uh, yeah, Brat Pitt, a.k.a. Mia Vicino. Welcome to Fart House. Hello. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me at Fart House. Beautiful name. Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Um, it's it's an honor uh, and a privilege to have you here. We are so excited that you said yes, because we actually don't really know you. So this is, uh, you know, we're not friends. Uh, but maybe by the end of this recording, we will become Yeah. Friends. We can be. Yeah, we, we can, can be. be. I Why was not? astonished you said yes. Thank you very much. Patrick, don't say those sort of things. Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, but, but what I was going to say is, uh, Mia, do you watch The Bachelor? Oh, man. You know, I get asked this question. I do not watch The Bachelor. I'm okay. sorry. Reality TV... I can't do it. It makes my brain turn into mush. I, I'm sorry. I, I, no, you don't have to do You came out. We brought you onto a uh, art house film podcast and started asking you about reality television. So do not feel bad. <laughs> yeah, but that's I the just gotcha have, moment. <laughs> I, I, yeah, we got you. Um, but the one, uh, one thing, I just have to bring it up just real quick. Patrick, uh, Claire and Dale broke up. Just quick thoughts. Um, unsurprising. Not surprising. Yeah. Um, in fact, thoroughly unsurprising. Um, it, I would say it happened a little bit sooner than I'd anticipated. Yes. Now, uh, Claire was the bachelorette, Mia. She was. The, she had her own show. She was the bachelorette, and she's the first bachelorette to leave the show early because she's like, I am in love with this man, Dale. I don't need to do the rest of the show. She was only on it for like three weeks, and they left together, and uh, they broke up. So that was just, that's kind of the big uh, <laughs> Not particularly news. shocking, but. Not shocking at all. Um <laughs> But anyways, we can move past that. I just had to, we had to touch base on that because Patrick and I both watched that show. Um, Also, it's David Lynch's birthday today. Happy birthday, David. We love you very much. (laughs) We do. We truly do. Are you a David Lynch fan? I am. I am. Mulholland Drive is one of my favorite movies ever. Oh, God. Me too. Absolutely. I'm a linchpin. That's a a fan of David Lynch. When was the last time either of you saw Inland Empire? If you've seen Uh, it. It's been... A while. I have a confession. <laughs> you haven't seen it? I haven't seen Inland Empire, but I keep trying to get my roommates to watch it with me. Like, I was just talking about Inland Empire. I was like, I need to watch this movie. It's three hours long, but I know I'm going to love it. And Laura Dern's the lead. If you guys watch it with me, I can I can do it. I can focus. So we're going to do it soon because my roommate also likes David Lynch. It's a tough watch. It, Patrick and I both, it's my least favorite David Lynch film. Would you say so, Patrick? Yeah, it's my least favorite. And, and I don't even know if I would... S- I, say it's I, a film I, yeah i read somewhere <laughs> the other day someone described it as like a uh like art installation yes and you know where it i actually i have dense. a um casey is on the on the show i have kind of like moderately interesting at best anecdotes and so one of my moderately yeah. interesting at best anecdotes is i saw inland empire at the hammer museum in los angeles uh-huh. 
you know where that ah, is in Westwood? Yes. Yeah. Yes, actually, um, I've been wanting Army to go Hammer's there. Army Hammer's family art museum. Yeah, it's, yes. it's actually his family. It's his uh, <laughs> grandpa, I think. I know. I went okay. there. I went there like one of my first times in L.A. and I was and I saw the ha- the name Hammer everywhere and I was like, that can't be the Armand Hammer. Oh. And then. Our favorite yes, cannibal. It is that family. Ugh, I'm gonna get him. <laughs> get him, Mia. I will. <laughs> uh, but anyways, I saw it there. Um, it was uh, it was funny because it was a whole bunch of linchpins, as you as you call them. Mm-hmm. Casey, is that? Did you come up with that, or is that? I what? just came up with that this moment Lovely. in time. I think what it's is, good. But it was packed, and I remember like he had this big Lynch merch booth, and he had like his David Lynch coffee blend. Which uh-huh. to me at the time was the most exciting, like that was like the special, that was the coolest thing you could see- conceive of. Mm-hmm. And I was going to UCLA at the time and I remember like, <laughs> or like tell friends or like girls I wanted to impress. I was like, yeah, I got the David Lynch coffee back <laughs> in my place. We want to do like French press David Lynch coffee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that <laughs> held a lot of uh, cultural cachet in your yeah. uh, group During of all of Inland Empire, all I could think about was the David Lynch coffee sitting in my lap. <laughs> Oh, okay. So I can Patrick, that two. was not very interesting. Yeah, I know. I told you it's that's a um, feature of this. <laughs> but Mia, back to the thing at hand. Uh it's it's tough. It is a tough watch. I mean, you're no uh, you're no stranger to art house movies, but I don't know. That uh, good I would recommend watching that earlier in the day cuz it does <laughs> it it's tough. Um, yeah, I plan on smoking a lot of weed okay. during it. That actually, I think that would actually really help. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. I, I mean, I haven't obviously I haven't seen it, but I, I found that David Lynch films are really enhanced. Um, yeah. If you rip the bong sure. pretty hard. Do you have a particular yeah. pairing of uh, film and weed varietal? Yes, Blue okay. Dream. Blue Dream. Blue Dream, it's like a sativa hybrid kind of, Mm -hmm. and I really like it because I can still focus on the movie, but it also makes me like kind of be imaginative and creative and have my own interpretations of the movie. And it doesn't make me fall asleep during the film, which is really important when selecting a weed strain. Okay, that's (laughs) very cool. That is really important because I I Mm -hmm. sometimes I'll smoke and I'll just... uh, I'll lose the thread of the film. <laughs> oh, and, yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's good. To, that's a really great... We do a drink pairing on this show. I think this is great. This is our first weed pairing. Yeah. So that's really... <laughs> and that's and awesome. Mia, you had recommended across all of his films, The Blue Dream, yeah, Sativa Dominant so. Hybrid. I think, I think, yeah, Sativa for the most part, except maybe if you're doing like um, Twin Peaks... Mm. Maybe like if you're rewatching the the Twin Peaks original show, like that can, that's kind of feels more indica almost mm-hmm. you're just okay. kind of relaxing yeah. going with the flow of twin peaks nostalgia um, kind of yeah but that's i feel like twin peaks is an indica and then the rest is sativa cool this is fantastic <laughs> okay patrick should we get to our little letterboxed rundown thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay so me this thing we do every week now we just started where we just kind of list the movies we watched this past week we call it our letterboxed rundown sorry to spring this on you but we'd love for you to uh uh contribute your list and i'd be interested to see how many movies you watch in a given week during this time um yes this is perfect i'm excited i'm ready (laughs) okay cool patrick do you want to go uh first to uh to kind of set things off sure um i have to be honest i've I've been really anxious about uh about this portion of the show because um I, I was listening back to the music room, our, our previous episode, and we were very excited to do our letterbox rundowns for when you were here, Mia. And this past week, all I've been doing is rewatching The Sopranos for the sixth time. 
That's nice. okay. So I haven't watched any movies. Oh, However, you haven't watched a single film? I haven't watched a single movie. It's all. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is so embarrassing, Patrick. I know. I was so anxious last night and this morning. I was like, Mia Jesus. is going to think I'm a total fraud. I'm going to be so embarrassed oh, live. Oh, no. You're supporting Italian-American excellence. <laughs> ah. <laughs> like, that's fine. <laughs> okay, good. And I would say that most of, um, or I'd say that the series of The Sopranos is better than most films that you could you can mm. find so that's what it word on the street of, is yeah. yeah yeah i you know it watching the sopranos it's kind of like a you know uh, a balm you know or like it's just a warm cuddly cozy feeling i get it sometimes mm-hmm. you need that yeah you know? and you know as, as dark and as brutal as it can be um the characters are just so rich they feel like mm-hmm. you're like your friends pals? your pals like your pals okay well uh i did much better than you um <laughs> I was a good little boy this week. Uh, okay, so I'm just going to go through mine real quick, and we'll we'll finish things off with Mia's uh, letterbox tone down. Okay, so uh, last week I watched this movie called Dead Heat, which is a 1988 film about zombie cops with Treat Williams and Joe Piscopo. It's a very silly movie. It's kind of like Lethal Weapon meets uh, like Dead Alive. I don't know. It was cuckoo uh and then i watched i got into kind of a jane fonda kick this week as well um so i watched clute for the first time <gasps> have you guys seen that i love clute i never uh, seen clute oh it, my god <laughs> patrick it's on the criterion channel get yes. on it buddy there's a whole jane fonda criterion collection yes. right now uh, okay, on the so channel i'll that do it tonight is what i got i i got stuck in there so i watched <laughs> clute i watched um mank did you guys see mank uh, mank uh, Let me yeah. tell you about Mank. Oh, let's hear me as Mank Tank. Go off. I will go off. So I, because I haven't even logged in on Letterboxd because I. You know what? I, I actually looked this. I looked it up to see if you had, and I was like, oh, it's not. She hadn't seen it. Are you this apprehensive is, no. about the response, Mia? Yeah, because here's what happened the night I watched Mank. I went over to my friend Demi Adijuibe's house. Um, he's in my core pod. I went mm-hmm. and watched it with him. We got like an hour and twenty into it, and like. Nobody was really paying attention. It was like me, Demi, Gabe, and our friend Addie. And we, um, Gabe was like, should we turn this off? Nobody likes it. And then, <laughs> so we did not even finish the movie. We had like 50 minutes left. We looked at the time and it said 50 minutes left. We were like, I can't do this. And then eventually um, I went home. On my way home from Mank, back to my apartment, I got shot at with a gun. Yes, I was driving what? home. Somebody, yes, that's LA for you, baby. An actual gun. Yes, a car pulled up like in front of me. A guy stuck his head out the window, stuck a gun at me. I ducked. What? Yes, this is true. This is what happened after Mank. I ducked down. He shot at my car. It missed. It went over it. And then they sped off. So I got shot at after Mank. And Mank was still the worst part of my night. <laughs> Mia, I am I am, sh- I am shook to my core. What? That is insane. Are you yes. okay? No. I'm okay. I like, I, I mean, it was like scary in the moment. Like, um, I was, you know, I was like really shaky and upset afterwards, but now it's just, I've gotten over it. It's just kind of funny that I got shot at after Mank. Mank. Oh <laughs> my God. Oh my yeah. God. God. Where, what a, where what in LA did this happen? Um, literally right outside my apartment. I'm in like, um, kind of on the border of East Hollywood and Silver Lake. Mm. Um, like it's a fine, I don't know. I don't know what happened. <laughs> That is horrifying. Oh, oh my yeah. God. I don't mm. even know where to go from there. Oh my goodness. I know. Goodness. That's my mink story. It's a good here's, one. <laughs> here's, 
here's my review of Mank. Mank, more like Stank. Did yes. not care for it. Um, I agree. Okay, moving on. Like I said, I got kind of caught in that Jane Fonda section, so I watched The China Syndrome. I thought that was great. It's like a nuclear kind of thriller cover-up story, very like 70s paranoia. And then I was finding myself very attracted to Jane Fonda, and so I had to watch Barbarella, <laughs> and uh, which I really enjoyed. It was just this silly, goofy sci-fi movie. And then uh, to finish off the week, I watched the movie Black Bear. Have you guys seen <gasps> Black Bear? Yes. I have not I, seen that yet. I liked Black Bear. I did too. I liked I, it. I think yeah. there are, it didn't quite come together for yeah, me. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think there was like, I think it bit off a little more than it could chew, but mm-hmm. uh, I thought it was really interesting and really well written. And I thought the tone of the film was very unique, uh, funny and kind of scary. I don't know. I re- I enjoyed it. I liked it a lot. Yes, I agree. I thought I thought it was like this little underrated gem. Yeah. Um, of like art house. Like that one really is art house. Yeah, no, it is. Um, and yeah, I agree. It doesn't like fully lock into place. It feels like it's kind of missing a third act. That is a hundred percent what I thought. I was like, oh, it's over. Like yeah. it, it felt like there needed to be a a little bit more or something. But um really interesting i'm interested to see yeah. what director does have you seen sophia to calls um always shine yes i have actually yeah yeah that's I, with Mackenzie davis right yes. yes and that i feel like that pairs actually really well with that movie mm-hmm. uh both kind of like sexual psycho personalities yes stuff yeah and she because she produced both i believe well she's married to him i believe yes they're a power couple indie wow. mumblecore power couple <laughs> Someday, Patrick, people will say that about us. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mia, do you have, could, do, are you prepared to do a oh, quick yes. letterbox rundown? Yes, yes, I'm yes, curious. yes. So I've been um, watching stuff with my roommates a lot. We like to have Good. fun. So we've been watching just kind That's of like great. some trash recently. We watched Knock Knock starring Keanu Reeves the other night. <laughs> What's is that? that with Ana de Armas? Yes, it is. Now single. Now single, yes. Yeah, it just, we happened to watch it like the day that story dropped. It was funny. Oh, wow. Um, so we watched that when it was ridiculous. We had so much fun. Um, just because I can't believe that movie got yeah. made. It's just like two hot girls torturing Keanu Reeves. <laughs> that's the whole. Sure. That's the whole thing. Um, so I watched that. Um, we watched, here, let me look at, let me pull up my little letterbox actually my data okay here we go oh yeah oh yeah we've been watching stuff (laughs) Uh, (laughs) i watched mystic pizza oh i've actually never seen that Mystic pizza's great yeah it was sweet julia roberts hair huge and she's so beautiful it's like her breakout enormous (laughs) hair and it looks great on her Um, you can't find an aspect (laughs) ratio big enough to handle that hair yeah (laughs) and then um Oh, Demi and I watched Starstruck. The um, That is on my list. Yeah, it's lovely. I'd never seen it. It's expiring from the Criterion channel at the end of the month, so we had to watch I'm it. I'm always yelling at Patrick, you got to look mm-hmm. out for the expiring at the end of the month <laughs> mm-hmm. because you're going to miss those movies. I did look I just at watched, it. I just watched my brilliant career, which is the <gasps> same. Yes. I'm blinking on that director. Jillian name. Armstrong. Yeah. Uh, so I'd be interested to watch. I, w- I want to watch Starstruck. Yeah, I really liked my brilliant career. That one, I love Sam Neill. I love when they have their pillow fight. Yes. <laughs> it's a sweet movie. I like that director. So yeah, Starstruck is just a really nice, fun musical. There's like a synchronized swimming oh, dance that number. That's great. Um, it's like a new wave. It reminded me of um, kind of like David Byrne 
stuff. Yeah. Like the musical numbers are like weird and jerky. It's so much fun. So we watched that. And then um, we're planning in the future, we're going to do a Ma slash Chappie double feature. So Ma slash Chappie. Yeah, we have big plans over here. Why did why do those where do those two films meet? Well, we thought it'd be funny. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's reason enough. That's the only reason I have Wait, I know to give Chappie. You. What, what's Ma? You don't know Ma? What? Which don't one's Ma? Don't make me drink alone. You know that? Uh, uh, I don't know uh, if I do. Uh, it's uh, what's her uh, name? Octavia Spencer. Octavia uh, Spencer. Oh, I want to see that so bad. <laughs> it's streaming on something. I think like HBO yeah. or something. So we're Wait, gonna watch that soon. Have you already seen soon. it, Mia? No, I haven't I seen Ma see or so- Chappie. Ma, yeah, I haven't seen either haven't of those. Oh my god. <laughs> Have you seen Chappie Case? No, no. I just watched District Nine. That's that name mm. of that movie, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Neil Blomkamp. Um, yeah, exactly. No, I have not seen Chappie. Uh, haven't seen Ma. This sounds like a great. Yeah, I'm that all sounds in like on this I love feature. that. Whenever you do that, Mia, give us a heads up. I want. I want to. Yeah, I want to also do the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Ma Chappie, like Mappy. Um, <laughs> That's good. I have two more movies I watched Please. this week. I know. I watch. I watch like a movie a day. It's disgusting. That's good. No, that's um, fantastic. <laughs> I also rewatched The Lobster for like the millionth time. Nice. Um, it's one of my favorites. Colin Farrell makes me go feral. Whoa! <laughs> Ooh, whoa! I, I didn't like even realize. That. Hey! Yeah, yeah, he does. I like that. <laughs> Interesting. Um, Mia, do, and you had one more movie. I have one Is more movie. Okay. Yes. So this one um, was called Life, 2015, um, starring Robert Pattinson and Dane DeHaan as James Dean. Mm, what? Um, no, no. I don't know this movie. <laughs> it was, no, nobody knows the movie. It's not very good. <laughs> it, um, very boring. Dane DeHaan does not, I like him. I like the guy. Mm-hmm. But for James Dean, I don't know. He's just like kind of mumbling every word and they're just like minutes long monologues of him just being like, and then I went oh, to the board and then I was sad at the board and then, and it's just like, oh, I'm falling asleep, Dane. And but who does Robert Pattinson play in this movie? He plays a the photographer who took like some of the famous James Dean images, like the one of him smoking in the rain with the coat. Mm. And um, that was on Life magazine? Is that why it's yes. called Life? Okay. Yes, yeah. So he's just like this photographer character. It's very boring and I don't recommend mm. it unless you have a very big crush on Mr. Robert Pattinson. In that case... Something tells me. Mm-hmm. That he you looks, might. Yes, I do. He looks very good in the movie. Okay. <laughs> now, are you? I think I've noticed. Are you on a kind of a kick of the Robert Pattinson movies? Yes. Is that why you ventured into this film? Yes, yes. Um, I have actually the the group of um, I have this little group of friends. We're all thirst watching freaks. And uh-huh. um, first, we watched all of Sasha Baron Cohen's films. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I don't know. That's, in which film is he sexiest? Talladega Nights. Okay. Huh. Um, okay. Have you guys seen the Ricky oh, Bobby yeah. movie? Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. He's he is so sexy hot in that, in that movie. That, <laughs> yeah. that was like one okay. of my first crushes. He's French. <laughs> He's being funny and tall. <laughs> is yeah, he also I think in he looks... Sweeney Todd? Yes. Yeah. Yes, okay. he sings beautifully in Sweeney Todd. My personal favorite Sasha is Les Mis. Okay. Um, I like his I song. <laughs> I didn't know. I haven't seen Les Mis. I didn't know Les Mis. Oh, he steals the show. Wow. He gets this what? big song where he goes, Master of the House, doling oh, yes. out the oh, charm. That's, oh, yes. yes. I, that's, I know that character. Okay. I know Les Mis. Okay, that, that seems appropriate. He seems appropriately cast for that yes. role. It's, yes, it's him and Helena Bonham Carter, which is okay. just 
awesome. Also, was she in Sweeney Todd too? Yes, they're mm-hmm. both. They work together often. Wow. I learned wow. when I watched every one of his films. <laughs> yes, she um, learned a lot of things. Yes, yes, and that group of friends. I also want to say I found out that um, uh, Patrick and I were born in the same hospital in San Diego. Listeners, um, yes. we discussed this before, and my group of friends. We're all born in the same hospital. So I actually want to ask you, Patrick, um, if you want to join our clique, you have to be obsessed with Sasha Baron Cohen. I would love to join the clique and I'll be obsessed with Sasha Baron Cohen. Okay, then you're in. Yes. Um, Look at Casey on the outside looking in. I'm sorry, you have to be born at (laughs) Scripps Hospital in San Diego. (laughs) Wait, so Mia, are all these friends from Portland or how did this this coalesce? No, so they're like family friends from San Diego. Okay. That gotcha. I've just like known since I was born. And yeah, again, we were all born in the same hospital. So, and we just discovered, we were like, wait, we're all crazy horned for Sasha Baron Cohen. <laughs> Nobody else is. We think there's something in the hospital waters. I think so. I that's am why too. I wanted. Okay. I think See, I'm it's discovering a, it's a conspiracy. right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a conspiracy. Scripps Hospital. If you're born there, you have this curse. Maybe, mm. maybe he delivered all of us. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Wow. Yep. <laughs> well, that makes me very sad that I'm excluded from this. <laughs> I'm sorry. We'll continue on here. Wait, Case, before... What? Okay, I'm sorry. Don't get mad. So, I know, Mia, this is not an interview show, but I have some questions for you. And Casey is now okay for my questions? Or do you yeah, want to wait? Yeah, I guess. Go ahead. Okay. Now I would go. love to answer the questions. I'm ready. <laughs> and, uh, we will get to Mikey and Nikki we will eventually. Get to Mikey I and promise. Nikki. And I will try yeah. and keep this really short. This is not an interview. However... Mia, when did you first join Letterboxd and how did you hear of Letterboxd? I was, okay, I was 19 when I joined Letterboxd. I was in college and the truth is I found out about Letterboxd through Tumblr. <laughs> okay. That makes um, sense. That feels connected. Somehow. Yeah, I was I was on Tumblr at the time obvi- and I have not been on since I was 19, but I was like kind of wrapping up Tumblr. I was like, I don't like being on here. This sucks. And then I saw <laughs> like some post about Letterboxd that was like, oh, here are some other like fun sites. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, I like movies. I like to track what I watch. So then um, I joined and I started marking all the movies that I've seen. And I started like just smoking weed and watching movies and just writing random stuff. And then um I realized I really liked film like enough to study it. So I added cinema studies as a major. I was just majoring in journalism at the time. And then (laughs) after I joined Letterboxd, I literally added the film major. So (laughs) it's influence. Um, And then, yeah, that's really the origin. I just like wanted to have fun. And what's your most like (laughs) viral or liked uh, review on Letterboxd? Do you know? I I think it's the Fight Club one. The Fight Club one. Where, yeah, like it's like the five stages of watching Fight Club, which is um, a very like young film person to post. But I still agree with it. I was like, she was onto something. There are stages of Fight Club watching. (laughs) So that was the first one that like, and and what is that kind of experience? (laughs) Like, was it so gradual and organic you didn't really notice or did it kind of like take off right away when you posted it um so that one i didn't really notice here's what um i think by then i had like a little bit of a following um and i started getting really sensitive to notifications mm. <laughs> like um yeah so i like stopped i don't look at my notifications any anymore um so i hadn't even realized that it had taken off honestly um because yeah i don't like anything over a week old i just don't look at those reviews yeah. anymore because mm-hmm. I get scared. Um, <laughs> it's a scary place out there. Scary. I, get scary. I get scared. So um, yeah, I didn't even like really realize all of this was pretty gradual. Like I didn't set out to be quote 
famous. Like I was just having fun. And sometimes people will like DM me and be like, how did you, I'm trying to get more followers on Letterboxd. How did you do it? And I'm like, first off, don't try. Yeah. Um, that's my advice. Cause if you try, it's just not going to be organic and authentic and natural. And I think that's part of what people respond to on the site is just like yeah. authenticity. Absolutely. And just like, just being honest having an honest conversation about the film i think that that's just like the best basis for um discourse mm -hmm. and when you're like trying to make to to write something that people will like like and go viral it's just it's not funny or interesting for the most part i found um that's so, so funny that yeah. you get people messaging you being like how can i how can i get more followers yeah it's, it's like just, it make I, it's, it's like you don't need that just <laughs> It's it just feels kind of like yeah. the antithesis of Letterbox a little bit. Like, I don't <laughs> yeah. know. It's just so. No, I agree. I agree. It's like, that's like an Instagram or Twitter thing. Right. Like, yeah. Letterbox it, it, isn't for that. <laughs> exactly. And Letterbox, Casey and I have talked about how Letterbox feels like kind of, at least up until the present time of discussion, it feels like the healthiest social media platform or among the yes. healthiest social media platforms Definitely. and yes. not the place that you go to for i mean of course it's fun when people like your reviews it's kind of cool or or like especially when someone starts a dialogue like when they comment on mm -hmm. that's like fun but it's not you're not doing it for or at least i think the preponderance of people aren't doing it to see who watches your story who comments on your post who replies yeah. to your tweet it's like Mostly for yourself, so you can kind of yeah. remember your headspace when you watched a certain movie, which I think is really interesting. Yes, I love the diary aspect of mm -hmm. it. I think it just makes it more personal, and I think that film is so personal in general. Um, so I really like that merging of the personalness of film and also the way you interpret it and log it. I like to go back and be like, oh, who did I watch this with? Or mm -hmm. like, yeah. what was I thinking at the age of... I have a Whatever. tag on Letterbox that's Casey's apartment. When Casey used to live in uh, Silver Lake, I have a tag. It's Casey's apartment, so I can go. I think we only watched three movies there, Case. And they were special times. They were special though. times. Okay, <laughs> what, well, let me let wait. One was uh, 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 the the Innkeepers. Uh -huh. One was House of the Devil. Uh -huh. we were watching Ty. Uh, Ty West. Oh, House Ty of the West. Devil. Is that the one with Greta Gerwig? Yes, it is. Uh -huh. Yes. Um, and what was the third film? I don't remember. It after. And it, okay, but know, it was a special time. I remember. It might those even well. be those two. It might not be three. Okay. But yeah, uh, House of the Devil and Innkeepers are the two. That one's um, fun. Greta Gerwig eats pizza in that one. Yes. Yeah, she does. That movie <laughs> makes. I mean, pizza is always good, but for me, like pizza has never looked better than it has in House of the Devil. Like when they're yeah. in that pizza parlor. Mm-hmm. Um, one more question, Mia, and then we'll get to things. I mean, I could ask, like, Casey knows I could ask, like, one trillion questions. This is questions. actually one of his problems, and I'm going to bring it up in the in the discussion, too, actually, because there's a lot to talk about, that you ask a lot of questions of people, yeah. even not off the show as well. But anyways, continue. Okay, last question. And I just bear in mind, I could ask a lot. So, Casey, okay. you should be thanking your lucky fucking okay. stars that I'm not asking more. Uh, Mia, have you ever seen a response to one of your reviews that was just like so insane. You're like, what the fuck is this person talking about? Or what are they thinking? <laughs> oh yeah, all the time. What's one um, in particular that you can think oh, of that was man. really bizarre or? Oh man. You don't want her to call out anybody, Patrick. Well, no, she doesn't Come have on. to, she don't have to say who, oh, but maybe that. I have a fun one. Okay, so okay. this okay. one's fun. This was sent to me, cause again, I like don't, I am too sensitive to look at my comments these sure. days. Like I used to, but um, recently I just have it, but um. Somebody sent this to me, a screenshot of somebody being like, 
Letterboxd has to do something about Brad Pitt because she only has followers because she's Brad Pitt's daughter. And um, it's not fair <laughs> that she gets to use that to get popular. Like, they need to do something. Like, they, they this person thought I was Brad Pitt's daughter, and that's why I'm um, popular on Letterboxd. And it's like, if that's true, then why are so many of my reviews about wanting to fuck my dad? <laughs> yes. Someone obviously hasn't read any of your reviews. They haven't yes. done much research. It's, it's like... <laughs> So, also, so doesn't it fun. say like love child of Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt or something like that's that? That's on it's like, my what? Instagram. It says okay. eldest child. <laughs> <laughs> and, it's like, and it's like no, no ch- actual child would put that no. on their uh, their info. That they was never like, would. <laughs> okay, we need to move on here because we uh, we asked Mia to be on the show. Yeah, uh, for for a reason. For Sorry. a very specific <laughs> reason. Um, so. Uh, today we are discussing Mikey and Nikki, and we will uh, subject it to our proprietary fartsy test, which will determine how impenetrable this movie really is. Patrick will give it a little drink pairing, and then Patrick will and I will give each other notes to improve the show, as we do every episode. But um, Patrick, uh, we start every show by asking Patrick if he owns this movie because Patrick owns a lot of DVDs. He's are you how, what are you into physical media? Yes, Mia, what's your investment level oh, into that? I love physical media. I'm a huge proponent of physical media. Um, I have my Criterion collection, my Blu-rays. Um, I think it's I think it's really important to archive these these films yes. because like if you you know you can buy it on streaming services, but it's like what if that streaming service just ends? Or also like what if your internet is shit and you want to watch the movie? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. <laughs> what's that? Hey. It's very important. You're 100% correct. Because Patrick and I talk about like how like, uh, you know, Fox was purchased by Disney. And so like Mm -hmm. a lot of those titles are becoming a lot less available. And so you have to own them on physical media. And also internet access in the United States is not equal to Mm -mm. everyone. Mm -hmm. You know, there are a lot of regions that actually, no matter how much they're paying for internet, don't have streaming. uh, They don't have internet speeds that are capable of streaming off you know netflix or whatever mm-hmm. at all times a day so physical media is very important what are you gonna say patrick Sorry. oh no i was okay, just gonna yeah. add on to that i think you both raised really good points that i under Thank appreciate you. on the whole um the, i mean for the fact that just <laughs> if you want to watch a movie and your internet's down i mean internet is so unreliable i mean the united states has some of the worst internet infrastructure of like the top 20 most developed countries mm-hmm. like it's terrible in the united states and so like for me i'm always kind of like I mostly just like the tactility of it and like having yeah. the the pretty shit I can hold in my hand and look at when I'm on the couch. But really, it's it's so much more than that. It's like, you know, if a streaming service goes away, the rights can enter this weird limbo where you can yeah. never know mm-hmm. who owns it. And so it'll just be nowhere. And then, yeah, Internet can just be shitty like it is. So, yeah. 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 And also, I have to say one more thing about physical media. Please. It's fun, like, um, you know, pre-COVID when you go to people's homes and you see like their your, their Blu-ray collections. It's just like such a fun way to be like, oh, I love that movie. I love that one, too. Like, that's I just think it's a good way to get to know people. And yeah, absolutely. You can't do uh, that when it's like all on a hard drive because a lot of people these days, you know, yeah. they'll like they they torrent and put it on a hard drive and they're like, yeah, why don't you just do that instead of buying all these things? It's like, well, I'm not going to go through your hard drive when I come over to your apartment <laughs> yeah, for the first exactly. time. Exactly. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, I love this. These are all reasons that I didn't know that I that I, that existed for why I have the habits I do. <laughs> uh, to quote the film critic Alonzo Duralde, when you go over to somebody's apartment and you're deciding whether to have sex with them, how do you judge 
their character if they don't have like a DVD or book collection in their yes. house. Yes. You know? So. Oh, yes. Mia, w- would that be a deal breaker? Ooh. 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 That's tricky. Um, I mean, I'd have to say no because I have been to apartments like <laughs> with, with no books. I mean, I don't think boys know how to read is what I found. We don't. I wish I could. I, think I wish illiterate. I could refute that claim. Yeah, so I mean, I don't even yeah, they don't really have books, so that's yeah. but movies, I don't know. Maybe I would be like if they had like a bunch of Woody Allen or something, or if it's like for one dollar, name a woman director. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think I wouldn't say deal breaker unless it's filled with yeah, like Woody Allen, as I said, Woody Allen, David O. Ru- I'm gonna get David O. Russell too. Oh, um, get him. <laughs> I have a long list of like director get guys him. that I'm gonna get. Oh, I love it. Um, but for the most part, <laughs> so vague. for the most part. You know, we have. Um, I know. I like. I like the verb get because it's like, what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Patrick, we asked Patrick because he's got a lot of DVDs. And he hasn't watched all of them. Patrick, do you own this movie on DVD? And have you seen it? I don't own it, and I haven't seen it. This was the Whoa. first. Mm-hmm. Okay, Patrick, I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. I think it's going. I'm going to get you, dude. <laughs> Do you own any John Cassavetes movies and have you seen any John Cassavetes movies? Patrick, come on. Whoa. I own the Cassavetes collection. I knew you did. (laughs) That's such a common collection. And you haven't watched it, have you? I've watched one. Which Which one? one? Killing of a Chinese Bookie. Okay. Interesting pick. Yeah. I also have that box set, I want to say. I do have the John Cassavetes box set. I'm so <laughs> tempted. I have I have the DVD box set, and I really want to upgrade to blue, but I feel like that's insane to have the DVD. Cl- I mean, it's, I mean, any, everything I do is insane, but I'll, <laughs> but having the DVD collection and not, and like withholding, I, I can't upgrade to the Blu-ray until I finish all the DVDs. <laughs> What's I do? I well, I just I brought that up because I know Mia, you're a big Cassavetes head. Mm-hmm. I don't have a term for that, like the linchpin one. That was Cassavetes. Cassavetes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, I am married to John Cassavetes' ghost. Oh, wow. well, it's more of Congrats. an. I, it's kind of like a torrid affair thing because like Jenna Rollins is still alive. Mm. I guess she remarried. I don't know. I don't She's know. She's not what married to are. his ghost, though. No, that's true. We don't want to put a label on it. We're just <laughs> sure. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> how progressive I love that yeah <laughs> well Patrick yeah, so how I, dare you host a fart house an art house movie podcast and not see any John Cassavetes movies one I'll, one. I'll okay I'll tell you the ones I've seen okay husbands mm. faces now I always get confused is it woman under the influence woman or under woman the- Yes. I get that one confused with women on the verge of a nervous breakdown. Oh, yes. That's, um, that's yeah. Pedro. Which I, like that. Yes, Pedro, which I also Pedro. like that movie a lot. Yeah. Um, those are the ones I've seen. Okay. My favorite is Opening Night, just so everybody oh, knows. God, I, gotta, I haven't even seen it. Yeah, I Opening see it. I'll put Night it on my list. is my favorite of his. Um, Jenna Rollins is immaculate. It's like one of my favorite performances ever. And they both act together in it, which is, it's just fun to see them yeah. acting together. They have such chemistry. It's it's so much fun. Yeah. So that that's my favorite of his. Um, I think it was the second one of his I watched. I watched Woman Under the Influence first for film school. Yes. And um, I oh also my god, watched that in film school. Yeah, that's a classic film school staple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then, but then I watched Opening Night on my own, and it's like I don't know. It's a different experience when you're watching it on your own than like for a class. And I was just like, yeah. whoa, it really hit. 
To kind of segue into the movie, now this isn't a John Cassavetes directed or written movie. He is in it, but it also, I almost would count it as a, like, it, it has a lot of the same kind of tenets of a of a John Cassavetes movie. Yes. Just like in the terms of the performances and the kind of long takes and, um, I don't know, Mia, what, what, what other kind of like, kind of um what am i looking for here like what are the things that kind of make a john cassavetes movie and how do those show up in this movie mikey and nikki um what i found was that he he likes to do a lot of improv like he comes from um like kind of theater actory type like really the art of acting and so in this film um, even though it does have a script, Elaine May just did like she wanted them to do a lot of improvisation. She filmed so much of them just like improving their physicalities and like um, all of that. So I think that 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 um, naturalism and um, how you can you can tell that both Peter Falk and just and John Cassavetes are like best friends in yes. real life, like their chemistry together is incredible. So I think, yeah, just like that. um the improvisational nature of the film where it feels like it's improv, but it's not improv. They worked really hard to make it feel like improv. Yeah. Um, I think that's like the main thing that they both have in common and also exploring just like very complex, broken people. Yeah. I, the, yeah, the thing both like a John Cassavetes movie and this movie, I feel like a lot of the times I'm kind of like, what's going on? Like they're like, even within a scene, I'm like, you never quite have your bearing. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're always like, cause it, cause it flips from like extreme anger to both of them laughing to one of them weeping. Like yeah, it's, it's just like, disorienting. Like, it's mm-hmm. very disorienting. Um, I just have a f- hilarious quote about the production of this movie that from the Wikipedia page, um, apparently Elaine May was using three cameras so she could catch all of their interactions. And like, she would just, she, she shot like millions of rolls of like feet of film. And like both Peter Falk and Cassavetes left the scene and they were gone for like minutes. And somebody yelled cut. And she was like, what are you doing? Like, (laughs) He was like, they're not here. They left. And she's like, yes, but they might come back. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like so crazy. The, the production of this is like insane. Yeah. No, it was a weird production and it was a weird release too. Like it didn't yes. really come out. <laughs> yeah. Like no. came out, but it wasn't her cut. And there's also mm-hmm. some weird, I, I don't usually like give that much facts about the production of a movie on this show, but like there's just like a lot of weird stuff. Apparently there was delayed by editing problems because Elaine May could not get the sound to sync with the film, which I don't even quite understand what that means. I, I it seems like there was like so much film that mm-hmm. they couldn't figure out where everything went. Like there was so much shot on set. Very strange. Yeah, you, she shot a lot. Imagine? And I guess if I were directing John Cassavetes, I would shoot a lot too. <laughs> I'd be yeah. like, just do whatever. I don't care. <laughs> um, well, let me just do a quick rundown of the synopsis so people kind of know what we're talking about. Uh, Mikey and Nikki is about Mikey and Nikki. <laughs> Mikey is played by Peter Falk and the wonderful Peter Falk. Uh, we love and, him. And uh, uh, Nikki is played by uh, John Cassavetes. And they're like, childhood friends and they've kind of they know each other they know they've known each other for a long time they're both kind of 
in the mafia or like gangsters kind of. And basically the whole movie is Nikki calls Mikey because he's in trouble. The uh, what's his name? Dave Resnick, who's kind of like the big Goomba mafiosa guy. He uh, he wants to kill Nikki. And because uh, uh, what did he do exactly? He stole money. He stole money. And I had completely forgotten by the end of the movie what what we were doing, what his supposed transgression. Yeah. So Nikki stole money and Mikey comes to bail him out. But it turns out that Mikey is trying to help Resnick and the hitman played by uh, what's his face? Ned Beatty. Uh, Ned Beatty. He's trying to help coordinate the hit on John Cassavetes, but John Cassavetes' character, Nikki, is such a cuckoo crazy man that uh, he can't quite pin him down, so he's like, Mikey's kind of following him around the city, and they're reminiscing, and they're getting through their history together, and yeah, that's it. (laughs) You know, a lot of times on this show, we'll kind of say, like, oh, who were we in this movie? You know, which characters? Oh, yeah. And like, Patrick, a lot of times, and I, a lot of times, it's like, oh, we're kind of a mixture of all these characters, but I actually think with this movie, it's pretty... uh, clear who is Mikey and who is Nikki in this story because I feel like this whole evening in this movie kind of mirrored a lot of evenings that Patrick and I have had (laughs) together Um, because Patrick is Patrick who are you I'm assuming you are asserting that I'm Nikki and you're Mikey that's correct that's 100% correct I feel like that scene where you're in the hotel room he's having a stomach ache and uh, Mikey had to feed him some like stomach uh, medicine I feel like you and I have had a similar here Here, take this what take it what is it take it I don't want this Take it or I'll shove it down your throat. Open your mouth. I'm going to vomit it up. I want more of this. I want more with it. If you vomit, I will give you another one. What is that? Pride. What is that? It's poison. What is it? Check yourself. Because Patrick carries kind of around a battery of like, uh, uh, you know, lactate and all that stuff. So yeah, I, 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 <laughs> when I used to go to, uh, you know, before the pandemic, when I go to Padre games, uh, you know the baseball games down here i would bring yeah like what did you say casey like a battery like a, a battery <laughs> I bring, of yeah i'd bring like lactate medicine. digestive enzymes i'd bring like gas pills like anti-diarrhea because i know i'm gonna like go crazy at the padre yeah. game, eating all sorts of shit and so i'm like going through security and they're like what is all this stuff and it's like oh that's all for my tummy <laughs> so yeah that's nikki that's very nikki yeah yes yes very nikki <laughs> And unfortunately, I think if between the both of us, if one of us was going to give the other one up to a hitman, it would probably be me. (laughs) So, um, uh, Mia, who do you feel like you are between Mikey and Nikki? I have thought about this, actually. Um, (laughs) There's always a Mikey, there's always a Nikki. Unfortunately, I think I lean Nikki because um, I know. I don't know. I just wow. I I like how chaotic he is. Even though I don't mm. think I'm that chaotic, I like to think that I could be chaotic. Sure. Um, and then also just like yeah, the scene in the beginning where he's like having a panic attack. I don't have like ulcer issues, but I do have panic issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that like panic because he's like he's like both having a panic thing and an ulcer thing at the same time, which is scary. Yes. And I think that his um, acting out of having a panic attack was really really um authentic and true about what it's like to be very skilled um so i like really related to that where like i'm freaking out and my friend has to be like it's okay (laughs) um so yeah i think i lean nikki which isn't 
fun to admit. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I mean, they're both, 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 both they're have both people. Bad. <laughs> yeah, they're both both have their moderate redeeming traits, and both are mm-hmm. pretty shitty. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's interesting though because I feel like Mikey, you're like he is seems like a good guy. He's like a family man. I mean, he's giving up his friend to be killed, which isn't a good thing, but you can kind of be like, well, I don't know. Yeah, it's like they haven't talked in a long time, It's like Nikki's such a fuck up and... Yeah. (laughs) And, but I would say the scene where they go visit... I don't even know if she's a sex worker. Just oh, the that woman. Poor that poor woman. That was bizarre. Can we talk about that? Yeah, I think that is a that's a really pivotal scene because mm-hmm. that is where you find out Mikey is not a good dude. Like mm-hmm. he tries to sleep with this woman and he hits her. It's it's very bizarre and even she's kind of is set up like she's a prostitute, but it's not clear that she is. She and mm-hmm. she seems very mentally unwell. Yeah, no, that's a brutal, brutal scene. And that's one that I've like grappled with. Like I've thought about it a lot and been like, is this necessary to show how bad they are? And then you're like, well, also like Elaine May wrote and directed it, like at least a woman's behind the camera. And she said that she based it off of her own experiences, like growing up. Um, She knew like Jewish mobsters. Um, So like I take that into consideration too. But I think on this rewatch, what I gleaned from it is that scene is when you realize, yeah, that Mikey's not as good of a guy as maybe you thought. And also it's like, he's turning into Nikki. Um, yeah. Like Nikki is just such like a toxic misogynist guy that like Mikey feels pressured to act that way as well. And like, that's not an excuse by any means for him to act like that. But I think that it's like, you know, when you spend so much time around somebody, you know, your two personalities kind of meld. And um, I think that that's supposed to show like, oh no, he's going to turn into Nikki if he keeps hanging out with him. Yeah. Um, so I think that it's like in, yeah, a pivotal scene, even if it's so hard to get through. <laughs> it is. It's so hard. Well, I just, I had a question, I guess, about the way women are portrayed in this movie, because both, what is her name? The the woman they meet in the apartment. Nell is her name. N- Nell. Nellie. Um, both Nellie and Annie, Peter Falk's wife, they both seem like mentally handicapped right i don't know how else well, like they, they, no, both they both seem, seem kind out of to lobotomized like, like and n- yeah. not even i'm not even saying that in a glib way like they both like out to lunch like they both just kind of seem like there's like not totally engaging with reality and i don't know yeah yeah like even uh like peter fox's wife didn't know or didn't remember that his, his brother baby died brother died did i ever tell you i had a brother is who died no, I don't think so. I don't remember. When did he die? Years ago. This happened when I was a kid. You enjoy hearing stories when I was... Well, when I was a kid. Yeah, sure I do, honey. I know, it's... That's another thing that I, like, think about a lot. I think the only, like, semi-strong character is Nikki's wife, Jan. Yes. And mm-hmm. even she, like, she 
breaks down buckles, at the end. She buckles yeah. um, under under Nikki because he's just like so charming, at least to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no, he is. He totally is. Like well, it's the kind character of like Tony Soprano. I mean, he can be so charming, and then he can be so mm-hmm. terrifying too. Yes. Yeah, and I think Patrick, that. Okay. Can you give another example that's not The Sopranos? I mean, I know you've been watching it all. Sorry, man. You go. Yeah, no. I mean, he's just he's um so charismatic, and I think that he didn't used to be as evil as he is. Like, I think that he's over the years has changed into this just like awful guy. And you know, when that happens, when you're close with somebody, and like you remember how they used to be, and like all the fun times you used to have, and how nice they were, and then. You know, over the years, people change. And I think, you know, that's tragic, but that's what happens. Um, And I think that the Jan character is so interesting because, like, she knows rationally, like, I should not take Nikki back. I shouldn't let him in. Like, he's bad. He needs to get out of here. But then, like, he starts kissing her and being nice to her. And she's like, ah, man. (laughs) (laughs) Baby, everything's going to be okay. You know that? Everything's going to be great. Okay. It's going to be terrific. I promise you, babe, I can make you so happy. <laughs> sure. I don't want you to die. I'm going to write to you, sweetheart. I don't want you to die. Everything should be okay. You love me? Uh, I do. I love you. But it is, I, I'm just, it's so curious, and I don't really yeah. know what the answer is to why the women in this film are, yeah, like so lobotomized and so under the thumb of these men yeah they are very under the thumb of of them and yeah i also don't have a finite answer the only thing i can really not mia that's why we brought you here i know (laughs) i think it's just like again because she's drawing from her own experiences i think that maybe she's like seen mobsters wives who are just like so Mm -hmm. run down and over it um not not over it but you know just like (laughs) this is just the way life is is especially like yeah. back in the day like in the 70s when like marriage and like finding a partner like for women it was so much more important because i think yeah. you know back then it was like hard to be financially stable as a woman without a man um because you know you couldn't get your own credit card if you're a woman you needed a man to sign for you until the 70s um yeah. so it was you know you just kind of got married <laughs> yeah and that was that was just what you had to deal with so that's Another thing I can think of is it was it was just a different time where you had to acquiesce to men as a survival tactic. Um, so, I think that's, that's a really good yeah. way of putting it. I think they kind of had to construct this sort of cognitive dissonance to sort of yeah as a, as a survival tactic to just sort of compartmentalize that part and then just kind of live their lives independent of their violence and their um, cruelty. Yeah. Um, one thing I want to get to, I just want to make sure that we get to it is, you know, we were giving kind of John, we were talking about John Cassavetes movies a lot, but this is written and directed by Elaine May. Yes. And I have her on my shirt, by the yes. way. Yes. Is that a, written I love that. Where did you get that shirt? <laughs> um, from Tease on Scene. Oh, yes. Oh, cool. That's a great, I, f- I follow them. They're awesome. I but also she, got a, I, sorry. I also got a no. Jenna Rollins shirt from them. They have an oh, Elaine May awesome. and a Jenna Rollins shirt. I have both that's of them. Awesome. I, love I love them. that. Continue. Um, <laughs> but uh, Elaine May, she wrote and directed uh, a few films, A New Leaf, The Heartbreak Kid, and kind of infamously Ishtar, which mm-hmm. sort of ended her directing career. It was like a big. Wait, Elaine May directed bomb. Ishtar? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh. Wrote and directed. She also wrote The Birdcage and Primary Colors and other things um but mia you're a big elaine may fan you just showed off your t-shirt that you have yes um why do you love her so much um 
oh, why do I love her so much? I love her because she's fucking badass. <laughs> like, um, she was just so rebellious, like how she stole all those film reels from Paramount yes. and Mikey and Nikki <laughs> yeah. film reels so that they couldn't butcher her film. I think that's awesome. And I think that male directors do stuff like that all the time and they don't get punished like she did. Um, I also think it's cool that she came up in improv comedy with Mike Nichols. Yeah. Um, I think especially for that time period, that's awesome <laughs> that they were both so successful with their with their show, especially because she's a woman. <laughs> and um, yeah, I just think she's so funny and so smart and witty. I read her plays, too. Um, and she just has such an ear for fun dialogue. Yeah. And I like how she can both do comedy, like A New Leaf is so funny. And then she can also do something so serious like Mikey and Nikki. Yeah. Um, they're just so they're just so different, but they both have that improvisational feel. Um, yeah, I just I just think she's fucking cool. She's still kicking. She was just in the Waverly yes. Gallery with Lucas Hedges and <laughs> Michael Sarah. I, I was like, oh, she's dead. This is horrible. But I was like, oh yeah, she passed. But I was like, oh wait, no, she didn't. She's still around. <laughs> she's around. What a damn. She outlived so many people. Um, I just want to read a quick the what what Mia was referring to was for this movie you know it was kind of a dis, uh, they went way over budget and Paramount tried to they assumed control over Mikey and Nikki but Elaine May stole the like film reels of this movie and uh, she hid two important reels in her husband's <laughs> friend's garage in Connecticut. And apparently Paramount was able to trace the reels to the garage, but they had no legal jurisdiction to search a house outside of the state of New York. Oh my God. That's amazing. And so she was eventually able to take those reels. And there was a cut that came out in like 1986 that she approved of. Cause apparently there was like a studio cut that wasn't good. And I think the 90, 1986 cut is the one. We all saw. Yeah, today. I think the MoMA think. like funded a, a restoration yes. of it. Yes. Um, yes. I just think that's. It's it's just so, so insane. It's insane it's that it didn't like really come out like until ten plus years after yeah. she she made it. Like John Cassavetes died in eighty nine. Like yeah. this movie came out like right like near the end of his life, which is crazy. Um, yeah, yeah. So did it receive yeah. like for like basically no release at all? Like it was yeah. just wow. So Paramount yeah. just put just threw it in a vault and was like, all right, that's just like it was like a wash to them. Like, all right, well, I think it I came think out. It like technically came out. But again, it wasn't her version. So there were a bunch of like continuity errors mm. and it just like was not as good as it is now. Um, so, yeah, I don't it doesn't really like count. I yeah. guess. Right. But it does. Mm. <laughs> There's this weird zombified version of, yeah. of her vision. <laughs> I, I, one thing I really found relatable in this movie was just how much these men wanted to be liked. Yes. Like both of them are so sensitive. I mean, like one of the most emotional scenes for me is where Mikey is talking about how he saw Nikki at a restaurant with like the, the higher ups yes, from the mob. That's and a he's very like, good scene. I walk into that restaurant and you're sitting there with Dave Resnick and Sid Fine. And I got to say hello to you three times because I'm too embarrassed to walk away without an answer. And when I walk away, I hear you say, Jesus Christ, call that guy back. I forgot to give him the order. That was a joke. That joke was for Resnick. For you, not for Resnick. That's why I said it loud enough for you to hear it. It's heartbreaking. We've all kind of been in that situation. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I just think that's a kind of um, an, uh, a really fascinating way to show like masculinity, especially yeah. at that time with these like these men who are supposed to be you know, they're gangsters. They're supposed to be like 
the ultimate of machismo and like manliness. And they're so sensitive and worried about what people think about mm-hmm. them. And I just thought that was so, that's the most emotional part of the movie for me watching it. Yeah. I love that scene. Oh my God, I love that scene. Ugh, and then Nikki's like, I made that joke for you. That's yeah. why I said it loud enough so you could hear. <laughs> it's, it's like this like, like, yeah, revisionist okay. history. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Nikki. Like, bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Which I no, think people I just, can relate to too. It's like when you yeah. s- you might say like something you didn't really mean. As You might say like an uh, incidental mean joke to someone and you kind of know in your heart of hearts that you didn't mean it in a good way, but you feel bad about it. So then you go back and you want to be like, no, I actually meant it in this way. Like, don't don't feel bad about it. I didn't mean it that way. But you know in your heart of hearts, you meant it that way. Initially. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Casey's God, so often uh, the perpetrator That's of that. Right. <laughs> I'm the perpetrator of the mean stuff, and I have to apologize later. Well, I never apologize. <laughs> okay, let's move on to the fartsy test. Woo! Okay, so Mia, we'll just explain this to you. This test is used to determine the fartsiness of a movie, which is our scale that gauges how impenetrable, unapproachable, and generally artsy-fartsy a movie is. It's kind of like an MPAA rating where it's like, what am I getting myself into? Oh, this is a six out of, t- it's out of a 10 point scale. So you can kind of gauge like, yeah, what you're getting yourself into. Um, we continually add and subtract from the list. It's a living document, as we always say. Um, okay, so number first question is, is there suicide in this movie? No, I would say... I'd say no. No. I would say there's a real opposite of suicide, of <laughs> trying to <laughs> stay alive. Like There's a big fear John, of death in the movie. Big fear of death. Yes. Yeah, and it comes up like Mikey talking about his brother who died when he was a mm-hmm. kid. And also, Nikki is horrified that he has a hit on him and is really just acting like a cuckoo crazy person yes. because he's so worried about dying. Yeah. He's so scared. He's, he's so, like so the movie scared. starts with him just like sobbing and freaking out. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it, I guess it is the opposite. You could argue <laughs> that his going to Mikey's house at the end is like, I mean, yeah, because it's like obviously they're going to check there for him. Yeah. Right. So you could argue that, but I do think that he's overall very scared of it. And if that was like a suicidal it is thing, kind of, he was subconscious. Yeah. It is kind of suicidal what he did, but at the same time, I think that's what makes it more sad because he never thought that Mikey would do that to him. Yeah. You know? Did yeah. you find that kind of to be a strange time and place for the hit? Yeah, it, was, it seemed like it was like seven or eight in the morning in, front of, in like the suburban a neighborhood. Suburban, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just I think it makes it more distressing. It's a very you know like a lot of times in these movies like you know like The Godfather or like it's like a perfect bullet right into the center of the head, and here he's like and there's no like you know screaming or crying out in pain, but it's like. Nikki dies like a little baby and it's like that's yeah. how that would happen yeah. and it's so he, it, that's a hard last scene it is. he does die like a little baby that ending is so perfect I oh my god it hurts even though you it hate does. him and you're like oh you, this guy sucks he's yeah. gotta get killed yeah. like I hate him but then it's still sad and I think that's so hard to pull off is <laughs> like those conflicting feelings yeah, because it's so um, hard to hear someone end. who's just like in the who's so scared. And He's just, so scared. Yeah. He wants to be let in so bad. He's like pretending to be sick. Mikey, get me a doctor! 
Get me a doctor, Mikey! Like, <laughs> I'm sick. I'm yeah. sick. Yes. I'm going to throw up. Yeah. Yes, I've had Patrick knocking on my door and <laughs> similar things. Um, okay, so uh, now they, these are the questions we ask for every movie, Mia, mind you. So um, are there? So some of these might not apply perfectly. Um, are there inexplicable images that seem utterly unnecessary? I would say no, that's not this kind of film. Yeah, no. It's not like a, you know, Ingmar Bergman's persona or <laughs> oh, anything yeah. like that. So, um, or like a Tarkovsky is another example. We exactly. Give, no? Yeah. That's not, that's not the kind, no. this kind of movie. Now this next question, you might say, why is this on the test? <laughs> but it has actually come up quite a bit, like more than you would think. Does someone masturbate in this movie? That actually no. isn't. I just want to say that is in so many art house movies. Yes. I think that's a great question. It's okay, like every you. Robert Pattinson movie um, I've been <laughs> oh, watching really? lately. Like all his art house ones, there's a scene of him like crying and jacking off. So yeah, what's wow. the, what's the one he was in? I never saw it, but what's the one where he plays? I think he plays Salvador Dali. Yes, Little yeah. Ashes. Little Ashes. Yeah. Yes, Does he masturbate in that? Yes, he. So that's that one. There's a scene of him on the floor crying and jacking off as he watches this guy that he like has feelings for, like hook up with this woman. So he's like in this love triangle where like the guy has feelings for Rob, Rob has feelings for him, but he's fucking this woman. So Rob is on the floor. They both know he's there. He's on the floor watching them have sex while he's jacking off and crying. Oh my god! It's awesome. You wonder if, yeah, you wonder. How, what would you give that? Was that movie any good? Yeah, it was Little no, Ashes good? No, I wouldn't say it's good. It's funded by the Spanish government, which is kind of funny. Oh, huh. but um, interesting. Again, that's one that's worth a watch if you like him because he has like he's playing Dolly, which is just funny. Yeah. He tries to do a Spanish accent and then gives up like halfway through. Um, it's odd casting. It's it's very odd casting. It was really early in his career, so. And doesn't someone yeah. isn't it's with is it someone plays Luis Buñuel too, right? And yeah, and they they really assert that Buñuel was like this raging homophobe. I was like, can they do this? Like he's just like being really? actively homophobic in this movie to all these people. It was just like. What? And is okay. there like Maybe there's not really the much Spanish evidence government. that he was a raging? I looked up afterwards, yeah. and it was like there's not a lot of documentation that he was. There's just like some hearsay, but he's like really aggressively homophobic in this movie. Oh, yikes! It's like wild. So I don't know. It's an interesting watch, is what I'll say about okay. it. <laughs> well, well, it'll be interesting to see if the you know masturbation trend. Uh, Keeps going on to Matt Reeves as the Batman. <laughs> I can't wait for the Batman jerk off scene. Well, well, we'll, we'll be there. Uh, okay, so, but oh, what I was going to say about this movie: Does Nikki take his dick out on the bus? It is implied he takes his dick out on the bus. Wait, did I miss that? Not... Which which time on it's, the bus? It's it's very very subtle. quick. Oh. It's um this it's when he's smoking on the bus and this woman's like, you can't smoke on this. Uh, then, before um, he gets in the fight with the bus driver? Yes, it's right before Which, he gets yes. in the fight. And Did then you guys notice that's M. Emmett Walsh? Yes. Oh. Famous M. character M. actor that's from M. Blood M. Simple. Walsh? Yeah. Wow. Okay, you know, uh, <laughs> quick, quick aside about M. Emmett Walsh. I lived in Culver City for a while, and I was walking around the neighborhood one time, and he lives in Culver City, and I heard this voice from like down the block that was like, yeah, well, how the flowers coming along over there? And I was like, that is M. Emmett Walsh. It has to be. And I like followed the voice and it was him. Oh my so, God. That's amazing. He's out there. He's out there. Whoa. He's an old man now. That's fantastic. Whoa. He looked old in this. Yeah. Wait, I remembered the line. I remembered why he does it. It's because the woman is like, I won't associate with your element. 
and he's like my element and then it's implied that he shows his dick and she's like uh, oh you <laughs> he's like yeah he says something like get a load of this yeah he's like my element like looks fine <laughs> and she's like oh, oh. God. oh my god <laughs> so that's not really jerking off it's no. kind of close though um yeah. <laughs> okay so is the movie over two hours slash can you start watching this movie after 8 p.m without falling asleep is this movie over two hours? No, it's. I think okay. it's an hour 40-something, maybe. Mm-hmm. I will say this movie is exhausting. Yes. I felt it was... It, I was very tired out by the end of the movie. The second half slash the third act is just like, oh, yeah, you're I like, have to make sleep. this end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's definitely not a boring movie in any way, but it's, it's a draining movie. Like, I remember at mm-hmm. one point I, um, I paused to get up and pour myself a little nipple of bourbon and i thought for sure i ha- there was only like maybe 20 or 30 minutes left and there was still like an hour and five minutes left and i was like yeah. oh my god and not it's- necessarily in a bad way i was just like this has already been so grueling and yeah. so much has happened between these two yeah. friends i'm like what more are they gonna get into <laughs> i know well yes uh yeah it's a little draining much like an evening with Patrick. Okay, so is there an inordinate amount of milling about in this movie? That's one yes. of our questions. Is there an inordinate amount of milling about? Yes, there is quite. The whole most of the film most is the, milling about. Milling. <laughs> this is our most milly movie, I would say, it's, Patrick, it, that we've reviewed on this show. Oh, it's got to be up there. I'd have to go back and look and see what what else. There's a lot of milling about at eight and a half. Yeah. Well, but I, this was way more. They're literally like, that's like the whole movie. They're yeah. just kind of walking around the city. Yeah, yeah. Okay, moving on. <laughs> uh, okay, would you rather read 10 pages of David Foster Wallace than watch this movie? No, no, no. Sorry. Okay, that's usually our <laughs> answer. Yes, that's good. Okay, so yes, I would also say no. We've only said yes one time. What was it, Patrick? Well, you said yes when we watched My Dinner with Andre, but I loved that movie. Mm. You hated that movie. I hated that movie so much. Hmm. I have not seen it. Uh, don't. It's a Mia, good art house. It. It's a good. It's steer clear of that. It's on Criterion. Drek. My friend, my friend just watched it. He did not. I think he didn't finish it. Oh, I no. almost turned it off. I was so prepared yeah. to like come to the recording, being like, "Casey, I turned it off." I would have fired your ass <laughs> on the spot, Patrick. <laughs> I finished uh, it. But yeah, no, big no for me. I I really like this movie a lot. Yes. I had seen it before. I had and, never seen it, so um, this was amazing. I was so happy to be watching this. I started very late. I started at around 10 p.m., and I thought maybe I'd have to watch it, finish it this morning, but no. In fact, I watched the whole movie and got caught up on The Bachelor after this movie. So <gasps> Whoa. I was like, Whoa. That's Productive. how invigorated I was after watching Mikey and Nikki. <laughs> That's great to hear. Yeah. I, you know, this type of, the performances are so unique. You don't see this type of acting or performance in really any other kind of movie. And Patrick and I are big on like performances. We love, like we said, happy birthday, David Lynch. We love David Lynch and like the big performances of the actors. And that's kind of this, they're not the same type of movie, but it's also letting actors really go hog wild. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, I yeah. definitely prefer when directors are like actors, directors. I value yeah. like performance and dialogue and all of that over basically everything else. Um, yeah. That's just what I'm interested in. I like to see people acting like actual people. Um, and I, I yeah, that, I, I love 
the feel of this one. And I it made me wish that more modern day movies would just be like two people doing awesome acting, like the lighthouse. Yeah. Yeah. Lighthouse. Yeah. Yeah. Lighthouse. Uh <laughs> And also, like, Black Bear. I thought there was, yeah. like, some really big, interesting performances, and it's just a few people in that as well. I I think a lot of, especially, like, modern indie cinema right now, it's like the acting is so muted. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I, I miss movies like this, like big 70s movies where people are throwing coffee cups and, like, pushing each other down in the street and like like that kind of stuff you don't see that kind of like physicality in movies yes their physicality now. is one of my favorite parts like that you can just tell that they're best friends in real life and that yeah. they like feel comfortable touching each other yes and just like yeah throwing their bodies around yes. i think i think that's awesome and i think that the physicality of acting is kind of underrated or underutilized sometimes um, so I really, I really appreciated that. Also, Black Bear was super inspired by Cassavetti's films. Oh, Fun fact. that's what I, that's what I, I heard as well. So I, I, I opening night was a big one. Yes, right, yes. When you, okay, when so you guys watch opening it. night, you'll see like the, the Black Bear. The second part is just opening okay. night, basically in a modern setting, <laughs> um, which is awesome for me. It's like that's what I want when yeah. it's done well. Yeah, yeah, um, um, yeah. Yeah, it's just it's so. And that scene where Peter Falk is in that diner and he's like grabs yeah. the old man, he's like, "Give me the creamer!" Yeah. Like, he's going nuts. Did, did y'all and I notice? Just like, the poor old man. Did y'all notice in the background? There's like the this woman pa- laughing. The woman laughing. Yes, <laughs> the woman that was laughing. good. <laughs> it kind of looks like I, she's staring at the camera too. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, uh. <laughs> Moving on here. Um, what is something pretentious? That someone you can we because this is kind of a teaching podcast too, man. We're like educating people, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And so, like, what's something that if you're at a party, like one of our listeners could say to somebody else, like a pretentious thing to to get them film. to immediately turn around and end the conversation? Like, I don't want to, yes, or or be impressed, <laughs> or you know, be impressed. and be like, ah, yes, one of the two. Good. Either I don't want to talk to this person anymore, or I want to continue talking to this person. Um. Well, Patrick, do you want to start? us off here you can do you have anything you yeah so what i was kind of thinking a lot about this movie and i use this word a lot um subversion i use that word Mm -hmm. a lot and but that i also kind of think a lot of artsy fartsy movies is kind of what they do they like to subvert you know um what you what you see in popular cinema or popular art um and i think what this movie subverts in particular are like common themes and tropes of gangster cinema like, I feel like we kind of are acquainted with gangster cinema in a more, like, sort of aggressive, um, sort of fearless, bravado, machismo, and and all those elements. Is there a show that's like this that you could give as an example? <laughs> no, nothing Nothing comes to mind. Oh, nothing's come to mind? Nothing hmm. comes to mind. Um, and, and I don't want to conflate those things with like courage or bravery because I don't think those things are representative of courage or bravery. But I do think there's just like this, in, in gangster cinema, there's like this veneer of, uh, of bravado and boldness and brashness. But in this movie, I feel like the like the veneer is like really stripped away and it shows, I mean, there's definitely, this movie is definitely about toxic masculinity, but I think this movie, uh, it really kind of strips away that facade and that veneer and shows them as really kind of like broken, honestly, kind of cowardly people. This movie's like kind of, um, and I don't mean to say this in like a really 
negative way, but it's really kind of humiliating for them in a way. Like they're just really, <laughs> they're not badasses, you know, <laughs> they're both yeah. like yeah. really, and I think it's because they're such good friends, but they're both just very frank with like their fears and their insecurities. And this movie's still definitely a gangster movie, but it's so different than any kind of gangster movie that you would see I think yeah it's not like about the crime itself which is what I like about it like um you barely even know what the crime is like as we were saying it's like what did he do and it's like (laughs) that's not even at all what's important about the story like the crime and the gang stuff especially because it all takes place over one night Mm -hmm. um and it's just so much more about getting to know them and like the type of people who do that stuff personally for me that's more interesting than action and guns and all of that Mm -hmm. um just yeah because i care so much about characters i get (laughs) i get weird about them (laughs) (laughs) um okay now is the time where we give our score on a 10 point scale like pitchfork basically uh where we kind of are calculating the artsy fartsiness of this movie patrick do you have a score for us what's your score we'll add them all up and then average them out you know mathematically because we're kind of like film scientists mine um i don't know if this is surprising or not i feel like you pump this up every week (laughs) i don't want to shock you but go ahead 4.8 that's way that is low i know I was going to say 7.5. Go with your heart. Go with your gut. Because I think the structure is unusual. And I think, you know, I always kind of think about like, what if I made my mom watch Mm -hmm. this movie? She would be like, what is this? This is a weird, not normal movie. And it does take a little bit of perseverance or like it does. You do have to be kind of get through it, Mm -hmm. you know, and the acting is very unusual. And a lot of times I was like, what? I don't understand where their head's at. What's going on in this scene even? And so, so I was flirting with with something in the high fives, low sixes, mm-hmm. but decided to come down right under five because I think, and I could very well be wrong because, yeah, a lot of my guiding principle for this is you take your sort of quote unquote average person and you, and you watch this movie with them and you kind of observe them and study them, how they're absorbing this movie. <laughs> <laughs> but... um. I could definitely be wrong, but I think there's something very hypnotic and transfixing about it that even though um, it might not be, you know, you might go in expecting something like, you know, a 70s version. uh, The Departed might be a bad example, but like, I don't know, some sort of 70s version of a relatively (laughs) boondock saints. (laughs) I don't know. Some sort of like 21st century, like gangster crime movie. It reminds me of Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of elements of Reservoir Dogs. Yes, very similar to Reservoir Dogs. And uh, I, Casey, I think I do think your score is probably more correct, but I'm going to just I don't basically I just don't want to waver. So I'm going to stick with what did I say? Four point eight. I forget my score every time. Mia, too. I forget it within 90 seconds. I of wrote it down it. this time. Oh, four point eight. You. Patrick, don't you think we should wear suits and smoke cigarettes more? That's what this movie <laughs> made me. You know, I've never do. smoked a cigarette. Really? Yeah. Me neither. You neither, Mia? It's because we were born in the same hospital. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> It's bad. Don't do it. But I do think we should wear suits more. But the thing is, I I want to trim down before I can get get into this. I think Peter Peter Falk was chonky. Was he chonky? I don't think. I think you. I think you could get a suit. Yeah, I guess now, it's all Patrick. about how it's tailored. 
Yes. Okay. Come on. Also, you know I Fight run hot. Fight with me in the I street like in I'd a be... suit. You run hot? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Mia, what do you think? Would you like to wear a Mia, suit? Mia, what is your score? What's your thoughts on this? I'm... Okay, so I will tell you my score. First, I will preface that with... Um, so, for my 24th birthday, Mikey and Nikki happened to be playing at an art house theater in Portland, like the day before my birthday. So, I was like, oh my god, I have to go to this. I'm going to bring my friends. It's going to be my little birthday treat. And we mm-hmm. went and we saw it. Nobody liked it. <laughs> <laughs> um... You watched it last night. What did people think? What did your roommates think? I don't think they liked it. I don't. <laughs> oh shit! So, so I mean, they were they were like nice about it, but I don't think that they, it resonated with them. I think they hated the characters too much because they're despicable. Mm. Like I totally get yeah. that. So that's why. But that's why I think it's a little bit um, pretentious, just because I've watched it with so many people and no sure. no one likes it but me. <laughs> and so I'm like, there's something weird going on but it's also critically acclaimed so like it's a good it's a great film oh yeah so um i think that part of the reason why it's kind of more pretentious is because it's really easy to dismiss it as just like um just a cesspool of men being evil like that second half is just so hard to watch and i think it's really easy to dismiss it because of that and just like feel completely alienated from the characters and i i don't blame anybody for that at all like they're awful so Anyway, that leads into my rating. I'm going to be fun. I'm going to give it a 6.9. Oh, Ooh, love that. that is fun. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see here. Uh, <laughs> okay, that gives us a final score of 6.4, which you know what? That feels right. Yeah. That feels good. That feels I think good. we came to, a, as a film scientist, I think that that feels like a good place. Isn't that such a bummer when you show a movie to someone? You're like, I love this movie, guys. Yeah. Strap in. I know. And then they, they like clearly hate it. And they're like, no, no, it's, uh, I'm sorry. I just, uh, it's, you know, this isn't my type of movie. Or like, it's, it's painful. Yeah. And it's like, everybody is so allowed to have their own opinions. And I so respect that. Um, but, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also like, oh, man. I know. <laughs> I've shown Blue Velvet, I feel like, which is my favorite movie. To so many people, and that movie is very strange and violent, and I always kind of forget that when I'm showing that to, like, other people. It's, I don't know. It's it's an emotional thing sharing your favorite movie with somebody. That's great. 6.4. I feel good about that. Patrick, uh, so we're wrapping up here a little bit. Uh, Patrick, do you have a drink pairing for this movie? Can I suggest one? You don't have to use this. Sure, you can uh, suggest it, and then I'll go ahead and uh, dispense with it and replace it good. with what I have. Uh, how about beer and milk? Great. <laughs> I loved that in that bar scene where they had like a glass of milk and a glass of beer. <laughs> I thought of that you would be like a million the percent. Casey O'Brien special. Okay, so then this actually I'm going to bring in this note that I was going to save till next time, but I want to bring it in now. Okay. So, uh, Mia, last episode we 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 did or no two episodes ago we did first cow, and so Casey talked a little bit about how Casey loves milk. Do you like milk, Mia? I like oat milk. Okay. I don't like any milk. Well, I, uh, well, I mean, I don't, I also want to say I don't drink oat milk. I just like use it in cereal and coffee. Yeah. I, I, I use I, oat I, milk yeah. and cereal. Yes. I also want to say I'm not like a milk freak. No, you're a milk freak. <laughs> I, I, I don't even drink it that often. I don't even think I have milk in my fridge. Right I think now. you're a milk freak. So remember you said that you periodically drink milk because you don't want to become lactose intolerant. Yeah. I'm like worried if I don't, I'm worried if I don't use it, I'll lose okay. it. So I was deeply skeptical and I thought Casey was an idiot. So then I have a friend uh, who's a huge fart head, definitely a tier one fan. He was, I think he was, he was our first sponsor, Casey. His name is okay. Jack. He's getting yep. his PhD in biology. 
And uh, so he messaged me after that episode about the milk. And he said, <laughs> he said, also, Casey is spot on about the use it or lose it for lactose and many people. Lactose persistence is due to a point mutation in a regulatory region for the lactase enzyme found mostly in Northern European populations. And he went on to describe it in more detail. But apparently, Casey, you are right. And I was wrong. I was right. <laughs> I, wow. I have a question. I have a question. What if you consume lactase through like cheese? Because I eat a lot of cheese. I think that counts. Yeah, that I think has that to counts. count. Yeah, I think okay. that counts. Because he, okay. he referenced specifically lactose. So I think that counts. So, okay, yeah, I will that has keep to count. eating cheese. I can do that. It would just be such a bummer if I couldn't have regular like pizza. Yeah, and then he said, you know, <laughs> and he went into it was really it was actually really interesting. I don't know if if everyone else wants to hear it, but uh, we can throw it up on socials. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so, sure. But he said, sorry for the long sure. message, but it's in my wheelhouse. <laughs> so, okay, <laughs> so Casey, you're right. Well, I'm thanks, wrong. <laughs> Jack. I like I like the support there. Yeah, you were very skeptical. I was, I? yeah. Milk thing. Uh, okay, Patrick, what's your drink pairing? So I chose a drink that I've made quite a few times before because it's pretty straightforward. Um, and I didn't, basically, I was not particularly creative, but I was looking maybe for some kind of drink that was um, an original of Philadelphia in some form or another. And mm. so the first one that came to mind is there's this drink called a Philadelphia Fish House Punch, um, which sounds delicious and I've actually never had it. It's like cognac and rum and uh, lemon juice, but it also has peach brandy and I didn't have peach brandy on hand. So instead, um, apparently there's there's this drink called the Clover Club, which I'm a big fan of. And the Clover Club was birthed in Philadelphia. And apparently it was the preferred drink of pre-prohibition gentlemen and emerged from a Philadelphia men's group called the Clover Club, called the Clover Club that met regularly at the Bellevue Strat. Stratford Hotel from the 1880s to the 1920s. Um, it's a little history for you there. Uh, it's gin, lemon juice, simple syrup, uh, a bar spoon of raspberry preserves, and egg white. And you shake all that up. And you have a nice little herbal tart sweet treat. Ooh. Sounds great. So That's a lovely pairing pack. Highly recommend Clover Club along with Mikey and Nikki. Very good. Um, so... At the end of every episode, Patrick and I give each other notes to help improve the, you know, this the show going forward. And Mia, please chime in if you have any notes for us about how you think this show could be better. But um, Patrick, do you have any uh, notes for me? If I want to talk about Sopranos, don't shut me down. Okay. <laughs> well, maybe we can start a Sopranos podcast. <laughs> what about for me? Uh, Last episode, you called the movie Thelma and Louise, Velma and Louise. <gasps> That's, That's not true. That's a huge sin. Yeah, you did. That is, ab- I will go, uh, that is so preposterous that you would it's even. It's on the tape. You can listen to it. Velma and Louise? This isn't Velma. like some sort of Scooby-Doo. Velma and Louise. Re- I said Velma and Louise. There's no way. You said the, the, the. It <laughs> sounded <laughs> like V. We need to get some sort of speech analyst. Okay. Well, just something to keep in mind when we okay. talk about that movie over again. <laughs> I do you guys like Do you defender. guys like Thelma and Louise? Love. I do. I love that movie. <laughs> Thelma and Louise. Love okay. it. That's Loved good. It. I just rewatched. Part... <laughs> yes, <laughs> I watched it for the first time uh, two weeks ago. Oh my god! I just I rewatched it like for my birthday, um, semi recently, like virtually with my gal pals. We all watched Thelma and Louise and Who Did so Hollard? Good. I had no idea. It was my that faves. Good. Yeah. It's very good. Incredible. Uh, well, happy belated birthday, Mia. Thank you. Wait, when was your birthday, Mia? It was December 15th. Okay. 
Sagittarius. Mine was this last weekend. <gasps> Happy birthday. Thank you. Capricorn. I am a Capricorn. Nice. Patrick called me on my birthday. Aww. He's very nice. Casey was very short with me. Actually, that's my note. I, when I call you on your birthday, give me more attention and more time. I was talking to my family while you called. Should I have called you out back afterwards? No, I was busy. You should, no. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Mia, do you have any notes for us? Notes? Oh, man. I don't really have... Uh... Let's see. Oh, I have one. Um, yeah. My note is that I would like to share my weed pairing for Mikey and Nikki. Yes. Oh, please. Um, maybe more that's weed great. representation. Okay. I think that's true. <laughs> my weed pairing is like a crushed up joint that's full of like some <laughs> weed strain that's half sativa, half indica. It's like a hybrid. Yeah. But it has to be kind of crushed up and shitty. It has to be like stepped on <laughs> yeah. and then crooked yeah. and then put in. Yeah. Yeah, Wait, yeah. So Mia, so, do, you, do you purchase flour, grind it and roll your own joints or what is your or what do you do? Alas, I do not roll my own joints because my hands are too sweaty to mm. roll a joint correctly. So I do purchase flour and I grind it up and I hit I have this beautiful pink bong that I use. OK, um, she's awesome. I love her very much. <laughs> is there a name for uh, the pink bong? Um, I name all my devices just like she, so it's a capital S, mm, okay. she with an exclamation mark at the end. Oh, fun. I like okay. that. Yes, she. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's that's my chosen way. But Very for good. the film, you should have your shitty little joint. Okay. That's great. <laughs> Thank you, Mia. That's a great That is really note. good. Thank you. Okay, so next week, Patrick, I just decided what we're watching. So next week is February, and we can announce it here. We're doing like... Freaky sex art house movies. Uh, so some Julia came some, up with a with a shorthand for them. Oh what? Uh, Roho, romantic horror. Roho. <laughs> Ooh. Rojos. I like that. I like That's that. That's good. You should do possession. <gasps> oh shit. Oh. That's good. Well, anyways, next okay. week we're doing crash by david cronenberg <gasps> oh i've been meaning to watch that one that's really oh, cool Oh, mia it's like it's it is good. one of my favorite movies of all time and i just it just came out on criterion i got <gasps> i snatched up the blu-ray you have to watch Wait, didn't it's you really get it good. as a gift from joe sherman oh yes i did i got it from my brother-in-law as a gift Let's give so thank you credit joe. where it's due okay well, <laughs> yes thank you anyways very excited to talk about that but mia Thank you so much for being on the show today. Yeah, Mia, we thank so, you so appreciate. Much. Thank you for Casey, having me. I know Casey gets annoyed with me for saying this, but I can't believe you said yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I listen. I'm like always down to go on a podcast. It's easy and it's fun, and I love to talk about movies. Like whatever, I'll do it. I don't care. Okay. And I get to talk about Mikey and Nikki. Are you kidding? Of course I'll do it. <laughs> cool. Anytime. <laughs> well, is there anything you want to plug on our show? Oh man. Um, not really, just Brat Pit Letterboxd. Um, if you want to check out my, I do a film column on Willamette Week. Um, that's a, it's like this little paper in Portland, an alt weekly. Um, and I, I, each week I recommend five films that are on streaming services. That's fantastic. It's really fun. They're like themed, so you can go on there and see those. Um, that's really all I'm all I'm really trying to do. <laughs> That's, That's great. It. Yeah, seriously, follow Mia on Letterboxd. She's she's the best in the game. <laughs> Brat Pitt, great reviews. Uh, you know, I, I, your reviews are great because they are actually like very thoughtful and interesting, but also very approachable. And you like all types of movies, yeah. so Thank you're just you. a great follow on the on the service. Well, it's so cool. <laughs> Both Casey and I knew of you independently, like prior to 
like we both knew of your letterbox reviews so it's like it's pretty cool that that's how you're getting out there you're making yourself so heard. Community it. together. It's like my name is Brat Pitt, and I love that. That's that's just what I, I think. It's so funny that that's what people know me as because I like made it when I was nineteen. I was like Brat Pitt, whatever. I don't care. And now it's like I. That's my name. Yeah, um, well, and it's it a good be worse name. than my AIM name from uh, high school, which is Altoid Share. Dude Fifty Six Hundred. I was Altoid really into collecting dude. Altoid tins. <laughs> okay. So clearly okay. I was very popular. Altoid dude. Altoid, <laughs> the dude with the Altoid. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know what the, the numbers don't represent anything, but I was Altoid hmm. dude 5600. So. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> well, yes. Thank you again, Mia. Really, this was so much fun. I hope you had a good time. I did. Our silly little show. Um, okay. So if you want to follow us on Twitter, we're at FarthousePod, Instagram at FarthousePodcast. Patrick, you can call uh, follow him on Twitter at Patrick R. Mallon, Instagram and Letterboxd, he's PR Mallon. I'm at Casey Leo Bryan across all services. Um, and if you want to sponsor a show, Venmo Patrick, Patrick Dash Mallon, it's ten dollars for a sponsorship for a single episode. Twenty what is it? Twenty five bucks. Twenty five to dictate prescribe. what we drink. Okay, there we go. So uh yeah. Do that. Leave us a five-star review if you leave a five-star review and uh, leave, like, tell me what nickname you want me to call Patrick for that week. I'll do that. So make sure you do that. Um, Patrick, thank you for another lovely show. Thank you, uh, Case. And thank you, Mia. Do you have any, uh, uh, do you have any uh, thing you want to share with our audience before we go? Oh, yeah. You, Casey started this new, uh, what's it called? segment where I am supposed to share words of wisdom. Oh, actually, I do have something. It's not so much a words of wisdom, and it is kind of a heavy thing, actually. Is that okay? Go ahead. So, um, so Casey, did you ever meet my friend Justin Worthington? No. So, I used to work at eFilm, this um, <clears throat> d- digital intermediate facility, uh, with our friend Tim Salon. Uh, and I became good friends with a guy named Justin Worthington. And uh, he'd lived in L.A. and I, I actually became closer with him after after I had left eFilm in L.A. and moved back to San Diego. And we'd see each other probably about once a year or so. And um, last time I saw him was in October at uh, Highland Park Brewery uh, mm-hmm. or maybe late September, September 2019 uh, yeah. for Oktoberfest. And oh, wait, I, I have met him. Yeah, I he's got there. a big beard. OK. Yeah. And I just found out that he had passed away from cancer. Oh no, I'm so sorry, Patrick. Yeah. Um, so it's really sad to hear that, but I want to dedicate this episode to Justin Worthington, who is a big fan of art house movies. Um, and he's just an all around good dude. So oh, I'm so cheers sorry, to Patrick. Justin. That's very sad. Yeah. So, anyways, thank you. Cheers well, to Justin. Thank- cheers, and Justin. Thank you. So well, we'll miss thank him. you. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that, Patrick. Yeah, sure That's thing. Mm-hmm. Kind. All right. Well, until next week. We'll see you later. All right. Bye. Patas. 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 Patas.